Welcome to the Real Housewives podcast, where we talk glam and gossip a little about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and New York. I am DeBay, and joining me is the podcast king, the king of podcasting, DeGill. I'm sorry, I have to leave in 45 minutes. I have a date. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, what, Ramona? <laughs> I got a date. I can't be here for too long. It's I gotta hard to go. leave because it's not like you tell us that every single episode. Every damn show she says it now. She is very busy. <laughs> and, and I do mean busy, if you know what She's I mean. busy getting busy. <laughs> Let's talk shop. Let me ask you a question. Please. Did this last episode of Rubo, we so endearingly call uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, is the acronym. Did it impress you enough that it remains the front runner for you over New York? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd characterize it that way. I would just say that New York is so bereft, is that a word, of any, like, positive impact that almost by default wins what is the positive impact on Rabak? well i didn't say that i said the fact that new york is so horrific so let's just compare if we can for a second um real housewives of beverly hills this week i thought was obviously the most interesting because of the camille lisa rinna brett kavanaugh debate so I guess they they recorded that right as Brett Kavanaugh was having his congressional hearings as to whether or not he would get on the Supreme Court of the United States or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fascinating because of the position that Camille took. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, which, you know, was she took the position that she viewed herself as a victim in the past, I guess, because she had been smeared through the press after her breakup with Kelsey Grammer, I'm assuming. And somehow she identified as a result with Brett Kavanaugh. It's just, just comical. Oh, it's beyond comical. I thought it was, re- uh, we shouldn't get political on this podcast, but it just was shocking that she took that position. Well, Lisa Renna pointed it out, right? The fact that it's like, hey, it's a little different. Like he's trying to get on the Supreme Court of the United States, which he ultimately did, but uh, not without the comedy of, of those congressional hearings. But anyway, the fact that Camille sort of related to that was just off the charts ridiculous. What was even more, I think, the biggest takeaway of that show, of this last episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, though, was Lisa's mom, Lois, who is 91? How old is she? 90. Yeah, 91. She told, you know, most people, you know, I don't say most people, but it is not uncommon to hear women discuss a horrible experience that they've had in their past where someone tried to assault them, uh, either, you know, was a not, not necessarily to the to the full extent, but it was an attempt and it, it left an impact with them. Lois, Lisa's mother. Good God, that story she told was harrowing. Yeah, really, really upsetting and scary. And she 
could not, she could have been killed. She is as lucky as they come. You know, the fact that like he took her down, some dude took her down a dark road. And were it not for some military policeman who just on a hunch was like, huh, this is weird, decided to follow them. She would have died. He turned out to be a serial killer. A serial killer. It's an amazing story. And she was so dignified. She said nothing when Camille was talking. And she only revealed it later in a one-on-one with Lisa. So just on that alone, I mean, to answer your original question, that that story is so much more impactful and so much more meaningful um, than anything that, that happens on New York, which is just a uh, just a train wreck. My God, you were not impressed by all of Bethany's things. So let's start there. Um, you tell me where I'm wrong. Doesn't everything about that whole scene, first of all, the big umbrella comment is forget what happened. We'll get to the details of what happened at that dinner table. But just the umbrella thing of the whole thing is, hey, everybody, come over to my house so you can see how awesome my house is, right? Like, I couldn't shake that. Is that fair? That is fair, yeah. I mean, of course, we know plenty of people who do do that. And I do believe that, you know, I do believe her also that she's like, she she feels finally settled into this place because she has moved a couple of times and she you know, really is very proud of this space and she does want to share that with her, with her friends. But Bethany does have that thing where she constantly has to remind you, I am rich. Not only that, but like, okay, so then she invites everybody over, right? And I can't remember who it was that came second or third or fourth or whatever it was, but then she acts like annoyed when the person rings the doorbell, right, from downstairs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've got to get up and let somebody else in. Oh. So already she's just being horrific. And then it just goes downhill from there. She is. Wait. Can I just say that she, let me, I'm sorry, I'm babbling. She is such an unlikable human being. <laughs> can, I, <laughs> can I just say that? Like everything about, like, first of all, how can you stand this? How can you stand the sound of her voice yapping for as long as she does? My Don't God. hold back to Gil. Tell us how you feel. Uh, well, Okay. Well, so, no, wait, I have a question for you. Please. If you, just like we ran into Ramona last summer, you know, we do spend time in New York. Mm. If you ran into Bethany and you had the opportunity to say something to her face, you know, like you were face to face and you're in a conversation, what would you say to her? I don't know. I really don't. Oh, really? I don't know that I would say anything to her because I just don't want, I'm just like, ugh. Like, what, what if I got in what if I got in front of her face and I go, I look at her, I make eye contact, and I just go, ugh. Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Ugh. But, we, but you would know, like, what you might say to Luann or to Dorinda. No, I don't know that I would. Like, it doesn't, it, it's not like my life's dream to say something to these, to these ladies, except for the fact that in Ramona's case, she's so funny to me. Let me, let me just tell everybody listening one, one highlight of we watched this episode together. And was this the same episode or was it the episode before where Ramona, I think it was the episode before where Ramona shows up at the dinner table. Oh, yeah, it was in the Berkshires, right, where she shows up in, in her lingerie and then she reveals her booty, right, like her butt's out. Do you remember what you said to me? 
No. You said, are you hard? <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> because, Degil, you have, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to be mad. But... Let, me, let me just, let me just share with people that there was no blood flow to my, oh my God. nether regions. Nothing was happening. You have a crush on Ramones and you just don't want to say it because you think that maybe, you know, there's an age gap and it's okay. Sometimes, you know, numbers don't matter. They really (laughs) don't mean anything and you like who you like and it's fine. So anyway, the fact that she, (laughs) the fact that she, uh, the other thing, then they play, so in this episode, they play truth or dare, right? How funny was it when... She's like, dare. And then she just asks a question. <laughs> it was, it, that, that epitomizes her, doesn't it? That's so great. I just love it. Bethany, the whole dinner, though, right? Like, the whole dinner, she is, she's inserting herself where she shouldn't be inserting herself. I mean, let's get to the, to the crux of it, right? So The Tins- crux is that she made Tinsley cry. Yeah, Tinsley has a breakdown. She has a breakdown. I found this fascinating. Now, here's the question for you on this. So Tinsley has a breakdown because basically the girls, the rest of the mean girls led by Bethany, because let's face it, that's what they all are. They they dare her to because she picked dare, right? They dare her to call uh, her boyfriend and give him a deadline as to when he he has to ask her to marry her. Right. Set a deadline. If you don't ask me to marry her by this day, whatever. And she loses her shit. Right. She starts crying. Now, Bethany and the rest of the girls cleverly, although not so clever that this guy didn't notice debate, change it in the middle of the argument to, oh, we just dared you to call him. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Rewind. That's not what you said. (laughs) Fucking liars. Middle of the damn show. Right. So anyway, Tinsley's losing it. And Tinsley's position on this was, and this is where I get, this is where I'm curious what you think. Tinsley's having a breakdown because basically she's like, look, this means a lot to me, this relationship. Now we find out later it doesn't work. Right. But anyway, at this moment, she's like, this, this relationship means a lot to me. I know that he would get annoyed if I did what you're asking me to do. So quit fucking pressuring me. I'm crying because of this. That's her case. How do you feel about that? No, I agree with you. Absolutely. That she did, you know, she's buckling under the pressure. They're all, these, these are toxic friendships, right? So no, no true friends. As a joke, you might say, all right, call your man and see what he says if, if you put a deadline on this engagement thing. But she, I think it was understood. No, 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 that's going too far. But just call him, put him on speaker. Let's hear, you know, what the conversation you know, sounds like, but Tinsley knows her guy and the fact that they are judging her relationship because they're really trying to prove you guys are not strong enough to withstand just a phone call on speaker. That's a problem. We're judging this and we're going to make you feel bad about it. That's a toxic friendship. That's, it's a terrible position to put your friend in. So you're really not a friend at all. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I agree with that wholeheartedly because they're imposing their judgments on poor Tinsley. They don't know anything about her relationship really with him, right? Truly. And they're all, by the way, as Tinsley pointed out at one point, they are all, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty much manless, every damn one of them. 
So like the fact that they are the ones who dispense this quote unquote sage advice, right? Oh, well, your relationship must not be very strong if you can't do this. Hey, how about go fuck yourselves? You know, like, I mean, seriously, like, really? Because some people will say, well, yeah, you're right. But I mean, kind of does speak to a sort of very non-strong relationship. Like their relationship must not be that great. And you see they broke up in the end anyway, as we find out from the from the trailer for the. Which the I agree with also. Which part? That they likely don't have a strong relationship right right so i was getting to that so i'm saying so even if you even if you believe that the point is is that every dude probably has a thing right so even if mine wasn't that like if you called me playfully with your girlfriends and you know i hear the hee 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 in the background and you're like oh you better set a day by this that might not be the thing that sets me off but something else might you know what i mean so every relationship has its thing. And so, like, to me, it's like, who are they to judge, I guess, is what it gets down to. Yeah, she did say, I, I have some, you know, like extrapolations that I make or some dots that I connect just based on the things that I um, watch and observe from the show and then a little bit of social media. And I do think, and she did say, yeah, Scott is controlling. And, you know, he would get, he would be, she said, she didn't say, yeah, he'd be annoyed. She said, he would kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she meant that literally. I'm not sure. But why is, is that's not controlling though. That's just, he get annoyed by it. I think that being, when you get annoyed with someone, that is a way to control them. I don't think so. I think it could be, but I don't think it has to be controlling. No, it's not. It, it doesn't have to be, but I, I'm just extrapolating that this could be an indication that Scott is, uh, you know, this is my way or the highway. And that's why they have had so many problems throughout their relationship. They just really couldn't get on the same page because he just wants to live his life the way he wants to live his life. And she's trying to join lives and, you know, live together, get married, have children. And if it's not, if that's not his idea or, or his timing, then it's not going to happen. So, um, does this mean that, uh, that Tinsley is not going to be my neighbor in Vegas anymore. So just Scott's apartment. Yeah. I think just, you're stuck with Scott. Damn. Damn. Um, I like Tinsley too. I really like Tinsley. Can we just break down? Because we're talking about the dinner party at Bethany's house. And she purposely sent the invitation out with a theme saying it's a, you know, wear something sparkly. So most of the, no, they all did. They all wore something sparkly. I actually think except for Luann. Luann just, she just does her own thing. She thinks she rules the world. You know who she thinks she is? Luann thinks she's Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Beyonce with a horrific remake of Frankie Beverly and Mazes Before I Let Go. Maybe not for this audience, but somebody out there listening will appreciate that. Yeah, um, that, that's you. Yeah, Luann with the dumbest... You remember how on last week's episode of this podcast, I, apropos of nothing, decided to say out loud that Luann, I find her to be the most unclever, unfunny uninteresting person ever like she offers nothing to the world on this show 
and she proved you right again. Oh my God. It was, it was so bad that I wonder how many people watching this show didn't stop, stare at whoever they were watching it with and just go, Oh God. <laughs> Luann, this whole time they're having this conflict at dinner is clearly waiting on her chance to make what she feels is going to be the most clever scene wrapping comment of it all. So And it should have been the climax, right? Because Tinsley has had this huge breakdown and then all the women come around her and hugging her and saying, Oh no, we're sorry. This must be really difficult for you. Okay. Let's all breathe. And Luann pipes in with next time. Just pick this truth. Right. Instead of dare. Right. <laughs> Next time you should have picked truth to say something true or whatever it was. Right. And, it, and Luann couldn't have been more proud of herself. Right. She was like, oh, I'm so clever. Oh, God. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. She and really it, felt like she wrapped it up in a nice, neat bow. And it was oh. the perfect ending to that whole scene. And it was just I, I was left feeling so stupid for watching the show you know how um when people are stars uh you say they have it they have the it factor yes what is the opposite of that because that's Luann. <laughs> wait but she is doing so well with her cabaret show oh please how well can she be doing so well that you've bought two tickets <laughs> i am gonna go to it and i'm gonna go to laugh so I don't think that's really the spirit of going, but I will go. Chic, c'est la vie. That's the word. C'est bon. Yeah. C'est bon. My friend, or whatever she says. Oh, I think that's life. money can't. Money can't buy your class. Oh, right. Money Two can't jams. can't buy your class. I feel like there's a third big, I mean, I'm sure she has an album. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like maybe there's a third one that I'm totally blanking on. Who is but... the bigger, who is the biggest real housewife? From from a musical standpoint, that has sparked stand that has sparked a music career from her Real Housewives. So Candy Burris doesn't count. She doesn't was, count. I right. don't think that anyone has sparked a singing career, but Kim Zolciak with Tardy for the Party got her her spinoff show. Right, that is true. Which is huge. Um, the other thing about that thing that Luann ended with a thud that she thought was so clever. You talked about how, oh, they made Tinsley cry and then they hugged her, you know, to be like, oh, it's okay. Well, again, Bethany, right? Bethany, you're the fucking reason she's crying. You don't get to then be the one to like saddle up to her. Oh, I'm so sorry. Me, 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 me. Oh, totally. God. Um, can we talk about her, her Bethany's number, her outfit? So, oh. Sparkle theme party. She was wearing these sparkly flare pants, um, but she paired it with a long vest-like top that, like, had kind of a train to it. Oh, with the with the uh, with the belly button showing. She showed off her midriff. All right, let me <laughs> again again with the extra consonant at the end. Midriff. Mid midriff. Midriff. So, <laughs> um, can I tell you something? Love that outfit. Love that outfit. Can I tell Are you, you something? Can I tell you something else? Don't love that outfit on her. Oh my gosh. Ding 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 ding. Points for DeGill. You are becoming a fashionista. That's my middle name. Oh, very good. So here's the thing. When you show off your midriff, 
you the point is <laughs> the point is is to be sexy that's really the only reason you're showing off that part of your body is because it is a sexy part of your body right it's not like showing your arms legs can be sexy sometimes but if you can show off that midsection of your body it is meant to be sexy her torso unfortunately is too long she has a longer torso and so that number just doesn't sit right on her the lines are off and it just didn't make it sexy yeah yeah you know here's where i would stop and say to myself okay well how much of this is is that bethany's got no shot for you anyway right so like bethany for me she's never going to be right you know because all i hear is her voice yapping at me the whole time (laughs) rapid fire so whatever sex appeal she might have, like goes out the window in pretty much three nanoseconds. But I do think that that was a outfit that I was that, you know, usually I'm like, whoa, but for her, it didn't work. Can I can I switch shows for a second? Talking about fashion for a second. Yeah. So your girl Dorit, oh. who, who again, I'm really working on the imitation. and I think I've got it down. It really is about staccato and taking a breath after every word. <laughs> I'm glad you've been studying. So it's. Lisa, right? That's how she talks. And she really pronounces every word separately. This is a really weird thing she does. Anyway, she shows up at every scene. See how I did that right there? Every scene, she shows up with a... You don't even have to know fashion, right? Like the designer is literally written. Emblazoned. It, yes. Exactly. It's like, oh, I guess that's a Gucci because the Gucci letters are fucking huge. I can't miss them, right? right? Oh, look, that's a Chanel because it's written in front of my face. So she does this every single scene. Um, that's probably too, I'm guessing is a try hard thing, right? Okay, you know, the specific outfit that she wore with the, you know, the, it was like a wide leg pant, it was white, and it flowed, and she did drape that Chanel belt on a high waist. I love that look. Love, love, love that look. I would wear that look myself, 100%. But it is simply just because of the way I feel about her. I can't, Gill, I can't do it. Um, here's how I know I'm involved in a deep fashion conversation, is that you use the singular of pants. Oh. pant never in my life have i ever had a conversation where anybody said the word pant until now so i get it you're you are influenced by your personal feeling towards dorit the way that i am towards bethany correct here's what i would say though about dorit and you were the one who tipped me off on this so pk pk as she would say it <laughs> PK doesn't try to alleviate his diabetes. <laughs> um, I don't think she actually said that. Uh, I just want to say diabetes in her voice. British. Diabetes. Um, PK owes Bellagio, the casino in Las Vegas, $1.7 million. All right. Let's stop right there. If you owe a casino $1.7 million, there's a couple things afoot. One, you really suck at gambling. <laughs> but really, part and parcel with that is 1B, which is you actually might not suck. 
you're just probably addicted and you're playing the wrong games. This is a little bit in my wheelhouse now with the gambling. So if you lose that much money, first of all, you have a marker at the casino. So they trust you to pay it. One, you're playing all of these games where the casino has massive edge. Clearly, he's not a card counter if it's card games. I don't know which game he played. Clearly, he's not edge sorting. He's not doing anything that would would put the advantage in his favor. And so over time, the more you play, it is a mathematical certainty that the casino will beat you at any casino game. Different Will games, or won't? Will. Right. Different games will do it quicker than others. For instance, there's a smaller house edge on, say, Blackjack than there is on, I don't know, Baccarat, if you're playing them, you know, straight. But anyway, they're going to get you eventually the more you play. So PK, uh, with his marker, rolled up $1.7 million in debt. So at some point, the casino comes in and they're like, hey, where's my money? And PK ain't trying to pay it either, right? Like he's tried different ways to get out of it. And yet, here's Dorit rocking the Chanel, rocking the Gucci, whatever. In That's every what scene. I'm saying. Exactly. It's so irresponsible. And it's also kind of entitled, like, in your face, we don't have to pay, but we're just going to live whatever lifestyle we want. It, it, it makes me really disgusted. Yeah. So, like, you know, I want to like Dorit. You know, I do. Um, she's of my people. But. Yeah, she's it's tough to like <clears throat> it's tough to like anybody who doesn't first of all you lose if you're a bad gambler that's one thing. If you don't have the honor or the integrity to pay it off, that's another. It's then a third level if you're flaunting designer clothes while this is going down. Mm -hmm. So like there's a lot of shit happening there. Um and then there's the whole Lisa Vanderpump Dorit thing with the dogs and I'm on team Dorit on that. So maybe Lisa Vanderpump's even worse. And then Camille loves Brett Kavanaugh. And, you know, so in the end, oh, you know who we didn't talk about? Erica Jane. But we never talk about her. Well, so this was a weird episode of Rehoboth because it was sort of like there's a couple vignettes, right? There was the weird Kyle vignette with her daughter driving around in that car going grocery that shopping. Was that? That bothered me too, that scene. Oh, why did that bother you? That didn't bother me so much. Why? Because I felt it was super, super contrived. Like, I know that this is highly produced and they, they're they setting up their scenes in advance and with the wardrobe and even with the content and what they're going to talk about. I understand that. But I just feel like Kyle, the scene, and she made the purchase and then got her daughter the same hat and the sunglasses and they did the cute little scene and they went to Whole Foods or wherever in the air one and they did their little shopping and drove around it was too see i'm about authenticity <laughs> <laughs> that didn't bother me that much i, have, I thought it was cute it was harmless i thought i mean it was it definitely was harmless but maybe it, it was just because it was also so detached from the storyline and it was filler and and i just didn't yeah like, well, the filler that I was bothered by, and I'm sure you were too, was the Erica Jane dance rehearsal shit. Because, and you know more about Erica Jane, I guess, than I do. But, like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, can, can I be 
blunt, can I say some shit that people will hate me for right now? Say some shit. I'm like, who's this bitch you think she is? <laughs> you know, like, I was like, what, what, like, her attitude from the beginning, I was like, okay, like, I guess you do think you're Beyonce. You're not. You dress like Dorinda from Real Housewives of New York. <laughs> so let's. Oh, that's they another. We're wearing th- the same interview outfit. That's another thing, by the way. Dorinda going after Barbara. Like, what the hell's wrong with Dorinda? Like, she's got Barbara in her crosshairs. She wants to, like, kill Barbara. <sighs> um, but, but Erica Jane, so, like, you know, she gets hit in the head and then she, like, acts like she got killed and she's like, oh, I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but it's killing me. Okay. But, like, everybody in that scene, she was bitchy. Her glam squad, I guess is what you call it. Everybody around her, all her dance coaches or whatever, they were bitchy. Like, there was nothing about that scene where I was like, oh, God. Like, if I was, I pictured myself with around any of those people, I would kill myself. Oh, really? I don't think that her people are bitchy I, I, at all. I think they're super, like, supportive and they probably kiss her ass a little bit too much but what i mean it's okay so she's going on tour that is a big deal it's a lot of work and we see her rehearsing but the other scene where they're sitting around and they're i guess they're discussing glam you know she apparently it looks like she has hired um danny michelle who is the stylist the new stylist for the kardashians now and so i think what you know the messaging there is like this is my level people my stylist is the same as the Kardashians. This, you know, like she's just sort of proving her worth. And I don't know if I knew a little bit, you know, some more layers about Erica and her life and her feelings, then maybe I, you know, I could have a more balanced view about her. Mm. But if all she shows us is like this glam and how much of a diva she is and look at how much money I have and this is my lifestyle um then she just seems one-dimensional to me and I just it doesn't I I, you know it doesn't resonate and I can't feel any other feelings towards her other than you know just judging her for like the surface stuff that she puts out you know who I think is the uh coolest dude in the world best looking guy who like I would aspire to be Kyle's husband what's that guy's name Maurizio Maurizio is awesome he appears to be a great father. He is super good looking, super well dressed, man of a certain age. I have nothing but great things to say about him. How about that? You want to know why you like him? Why? Because he's tall and thin. <laughs> so you're saying I'm a lookist? No, 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 it's true. No, it's true. Listen. Is he tall? In- I didn't know he was tall. He's very tall. In this Western world, this is what we value. No, not just Western. And we do, I think universally, we value tall and thin in, in today's day. And whether or not you acknowledge that, or, you know, I don't mean to offend anyone, but from an image perspective and a profile perspective, that is what we revere. Well, as I, I mean, I let off with saying he's a great father. That's the first thing. Right. He appears to be by all uh, indication a great father. But yeah, he is super good looking. He's super he seems to be like a really nice supportive guy. I just think he's he comes off great in this show, right? Well, you're a lookist. Well, no, I mean the, uh, well, the Denise, thing is Denise is Richards Denise Richards' still. boyfriend, Denise Richards' husband is a good looking dude, but like I have a totally different take on him. No, like, no, no, no. You know he's not good like he's beef cakey and we all know like <laughs> 
we all know that you know and he's not no it's you they have different looks and totally we are different. influenced and we shouldn't be ashamed of it we're human you know babies are wired to like attractive things and it's not something that they've learned it's just it's completely innate in us humans and so it's funny you tell that story because last night we were out to dinner <laughs> And there was a baby behind me. So we're at a booth, me and DeBay. And I a... was facing the baby. And the yeah. baby was looking backwards at the booth at me. Yeah. We were making googly eyes at each other and mm-hmm. smiling and laughing. And it was the cutest thing ever. And I said to you, I go, watch. I'm going to turn around and this baby's <laughs> going to lose its shit. <laughs> Is exactly what happened. I turn around and the baby went from, you know how babies like have 25 emotions in a 10 second span? This baby went from sheer happiness to utter terror. <laughs> and then you turned around back at me yeah. and then looked at me and he started smiling again. Yeah. And then you I did looked it back. again. Yeah. And I swear I wasn't making any faces at the baby. I was just, I was trying to be as friendly as you were. That baby was like, this mother, something's wrong with this motherfucker. <laughs> Turn back around, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and you did it a third time too. Yeah. You did it again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, and I, what did I say to you after? <laughs> it's the into my soul. Like babies know. Yeah. <laughs> baby looked in my soul, did not like what it saw. <laughs> Like, oh God, I gotta stay away from that guy. Oh my goodness. Babies attracted to attractive things. Says it all. Yeah. No, so I mean, so so again, so wrapping it up then. So I think New Hampshire, uh, New Hampshire, real <laughs> New Hampshire. New, I think New York. I would not watch it, that show, by the way. Oh no, that'd be awful. Not no offense to anybody in New Hampshire, but like the one girl we had from New Hampshire on 90 Day, uh, Evelyn, who apparently now is on American Idol. No, she got bounced. She got bounced. Um, yeah, we weren't we weren't fond of that. I'm sure Real Housewives in New Hampshire would be very, very fascinating in its own right. But Real Housewives in New York, uh, it is the Bethany show, and it is uh, it is tough for me to watch because of her. Yet I endure it for the cause. I am going to get tickets for us to go see Luann's Cabaret. I cannot wait to report back uh, because that will be a shit show unlike any I've ever seen in my life. Um, and um, Dorinda's horrific. Ramona's comical. Uh, Sonia's a mess. Uh, who else we got? Sonia Barb- is not a mess. You know what I think? After you, It really took me some years to really understand Sonia, and I underestimated her. She comes off ditzy, but I think that's like a little, sorry, a little bit more shtick on her part because I think that she is pretty evolved, and she is a pretty compassionate person. Yeah, maybe. That might, it might be how they edit it, you know, when she lost her shit uh... – she didn't lose her shit. She was just drunk out of her mind. Well, what what is that? Losing her shit. She, um, but she didn't do anything wrong. She was funny. She was holding the dog up. I don't think she was that funny. She was, like she was she... screaming at people. Oh, that's true. That's true. But yeah. you know, when you drink... don't touch the letters or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Shout out to Lisa Rinna. By the way, I love that Harry Hamlin was like, I'm not coming out. I'm watching the hearings. That's my type of dude right there. You know, I like Harry Hamlin because of that. Because he's like, no, fucking, I'm not going out to some bullshit dinner. I am going to watch history. 
And so I thought that was great. Lisa Rinna is the heart and soul of uh, Rehoboam. <gasps> wow. You yeah. think so? Uh, yeah. From my perspective, she is. She's like the she's the adult, you know, supervision. She's the reasonable one on that show. I think Denise Richards so far is reasonable, though. We saw a little uh, preview where Denise gets into it with somebody. Um, uh I think you've missed a few seasons back where Rinna was the instigator. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah. like, this year, she is super mature. Um, it seems like it. But, you know, never say never because the season's not over. And I think that they've got – they're pulling something out of their sleeve, I feel like. True dat. True dat, true do dat, dat, dat. <laughs> For all you hip-hop fans out there. Um who else? Uh, I have a question for you. Please. Do you think that I would fare better oh, being if I were a housewife on New York or on Beverly Hills? I think if you were on Beverly Hills, you'd become bored. And I think on New York, you would get into it with Bethany, with Dorinda, with any number of those girls. And you, much like them... When you are in the middle of some conflict, you ramp it up pretty quick, too. And so I think you would be more at home, if you will, at Real Housewives <laughs> of New York, where in the end, you and Ramon and all those girls would just be at each other. But I think in Beverly Hills, you'd be kind of like, eh, fuck it, fucking Vanderpump. You know, like, I think you'd be bored. I think you just called me a drama queen. No, I think I called you. I think that was accurate, right? Don't you? Do you agree with what I'm saying? I don't think that I'd be going at it. I, I think that they... Oh, please. You and Bethany would be, like, ripping each other's hair out, literally. Oh, I wouldn't put up with Bethany's shit. That's for sure. Same. Sure. But I do have... I think that what I'm able to do really well is to understand where people come from and why they are the way they are. So, like, I get why Ramona is that way, and I don't think that I could personalize her. You know, she has this kind of passive-aggressive way of attacking people. Um, you know, she's very underhanded sometimes. Um, and then Sonia, she just – to me, Sonia is just fun-loving. She just wants to have fun. She's very light. Um, and she has real feelings, but she kind of covers them up because, you know, with this sort of ditzy act that she does. But really, she's she's very, I think, a very kind person. I think I would have a hard time with Dorinda, too. I think I would enjoy Luann just because there's you don't have to get deep with her, you know. But I do you know, New York, the New York women do um, feel more like home to me. I don't know if that's Aha. a post thing. Right. No, see, so yeah, that's what I mean. They are more at home for you. Uh, you know what we didn't talk about uh, from a previous episode? You reminded it. Uh, you reminded me of it with uh, Ramona. Ramona, who we've talked about with her butt sticking out of her lingerie at dinner in the Berkshires, talked about her looking at the, looking in the mirror at the Berkshires. Was like, oh my god, look at my arms, look at my breasts, look at my vagina, look at everything. It's so great. <laughs> Um, remember when she went on that date with that dude? Like one of the times I started oh, the show the by bald saying, guy. yeah, I got to go three right. languages, right? He was killing me. Like he was, there's that one thing where he's like, uh, do you mind if I tell you my theory on so-and-so? And she's like, no, actually I wouldn't want to hear it. And he just goes, I'm going to tell you anyway. And he <laughs> launches into it. I thought that was phenomenal. <laughs> You know what I call men like that? 
What? On the spectrum. Oh, is that why you call people that? Well, because he's he's missing social cues, you know, like. Yeah, but you say it, that about me too. So how <laughs> how real can it be? We okay. So we should. Degil went to the doctors today, and yeah. I was like, afterwards when he came out, I was like, so, did you do the test? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what test? What I'm test? Like, you know, for Asperger's. <laughs> I failed to ask the doctor to give me Asperger's <laughs> test. Sorry. Oh my God. It would explain so much. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, I thought that guy was great because he was saying that stuff. Um, he, by, he, I don't think he was on the spectrum either, by the way, less so than I am perhaps, but he, he was, uh, he just didn't give a damn. He was going to make his point, And I thought that that was such a interesting, it was so interesting because Ramona became the passive person, you know, which was, we haven't seen her in that role. And this guy has never been married. That's so interesting. Mm, I wonder why. I wonder why. Anyway, so, uh, hey. Anyway, uh, so uh, with this ring, I be wed. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about this on this podcast? Yeah, let's do it because we're going to transition over very soon. Not, not that we're going to abandon this podcast. We're no. going to continue, but 90 Day Fiance. Which premi- yeah, which premieres not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And so in order to sort of bridge the gap, we have decided to watch these insert shows that they do, for lack of a better term, where it's like, oh, what's happened with, you know, Powen, whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> and what's happened? Right. What's it, what was his name? Russ. Russ, that's right. Yeah, so the episodes, they we find them on TLC Go, but uh, I'm sure you can find them on demand um 90 day fiance what now so they just sort of run through the story of a specific couple the entire show is about this one couple and then sort of catches you up until where they are to today basically um so we were watching the one of larry and jenny from the philippines that's a hard one for most people to remember because people can be like who larry and jenny larry was that dude it wasn't like one of the more memorable storylines, but he was a guy who worked at McDonald's. Literally. He was the manager. He was the manager of McDonald's in Florida. And he flew out to the Philippines to find this girl, Jenny. Um, and Jenny. What's that? Jenny. Yeah, I don't know there wasn't much like memorable in that storyline other than Larry just appears to be a really sweet, really nice, not particularly Mensa membership kind of guy. (laughs) And so in this, he gets married to Jenny. First of all, he brings her all over halfway across the world. And And into a trailer park. Into a trailer park. So there's the first thing. But they get married in the trailer park. And Larry's parents are there, and Larry's son is there, and it's like this really sweet wedding. And in the in the vows, they exchange the vows, <laughs> and she says, as part of those vows, as as Debay just said, uh, with this ring, with with this ring, 
I be wed. But English is not her first language and she has an accent. And so right. you can kind of forgive it. You're like, yeah, okay, maybe she just fucked that up, right? And then he, again, describing him as I just did, he goes, and with this ring, I be wed. <laughs> so you realize, and by the way, no one pointed out to them that it's actually not I be wed, it's I V wed. And so the rest of the night, all we kept doing was be like, hey, are you single or divorced? And we would just answer, no, I be wed. <laughs> I be wed. I be wed. Like, how fucking funny was that? Oh, my God. I be wed. Are you married? Yes. I be wed. Which box are you checking? Single? Divorce? Nah, man. I be wed. <laughs> it's so I if we're the only ones that find that hilarious. I think we're the only ones laughing. Yeah. Just okay. so good. Anyway, 90 Day Fiance is just phenomenal. Okay, so our podcast is called 90 Day Have Your Say, which, you know what I decided to kill? On our very first episode back this season, we have to explain why that's the name of our podcast because it's so cheesy, mm. but there's a reason why. So it's 90 Day Have Your Say. Please download it and uh, subscribe so you get notifications. And this one too, we would love to ask you guys to follow us on Instagram. The account is Real Housewives podcast. <laughs> mm -hmm. So is this podcast. Uh, and would love to ask if you can rate and review. It would really help, help us out a lot. And we want to keep bringing you some good content. And this will help us to do that. Some good content. Good content. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I got to go on a date.